Take a seat on the couch and get ready to tell me how you feel, because today we are beginning our series on psychology. Hey everybody, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And in this episode, we're actually not going to talk about the Bible too much. Uh, instead, what we're going to be doing is kind of laying the foundations and groundwork for a series that I've been wanting to do for quite a while now. Uh, and I feel like, hey, why not? Let's just jump right in and finally get it done. And this series is obviously going to be a little bit controversial because of the role that psychology plays, not just in our world, but in the worldview of many Christians. And so uh, in this episode, all I really want to do is kind of lay two foundations or get two things clear as I start. Uh, first is that I would like to share my own experience with psychology. And then after that, I'd like to just talk in a broad sense about what psychology is about, what psychologists do, how they arrive at their truth and their answers, and then from there, how they do what is called psychotherapy. And from this discussion, I think that we should have a good start, a good ground laid for us to be able to dig a little bit more deeply into the role of psychology in the life of Christians. Should Christians use psychology? Should they apply the Bible to psychology or psychological truths? Or is there something about psychology that is actually incompatible with a biblical worldview? And that is ultimately what the series is going to be about. And as I alluded to at the very beginning, the big reason that I want to talk about this is really the why of, wh of why many Christians assume that psychology is either this completely evil, devil-filled thing, or that it's completely harmless and innocent. Uh, as for people who maybe paint psychologists in a very bad or negative or you know, villainous light. I will talk about that towards the uh, back half of this episode, but to explain why psychology is so prevalent or popular, or maybe why there's Christians out there listening to this saying, well, why would we even need to talk about this? It's just psychology. It's fine. Uh, that is because right now we live in an age of science and reason. We have access to a lot of information. We have made a lot of major discoveries and how things work. And we don't give as a culture in general we don't give a lot of weight to the spiritual things and so we want to reason through everything to try to arrive at a ultimately what we end up finding is a naturalistic explanation for many things in the world and so within that psychology has become sort of the default answer for our mental health things like our emotions our behaviors things that aren't maybe physically, chemically testable. And so the reason for that ultimately is that for most people, if you are sick, you go to some sort of doctor to take care of your physical issues or some kind of health practitioner. But for the mental health aspect of it, why would you not do the same thing and go to a form of doctor who just specializes in the mental, in the mind, in the emotions? And so from that, we, as, as generations have gone on, as time has passed, especially as uh, I think the internet has even gotten more popular and people have been able to just throw out, you know, their own psychological explanations for all kinds of things people experience or feel, it has become really just something that we assume without question that of course psychology has answers. Maybe it doesn't deal with 
our spiritual side, but psychology doesn't need to, right? I don't need my spiritual dealt with. I just need my mental health fixed or addressed or find a way to deal with things that cannot be cured and things like that. And so does psychology hold the answers? That's really what we're going to be digging into. And obviously I want to uh, just kind of make a note right here. I want to say that obviously legal reasons and all that, I am not a doctor. I am not giving you mental health advice. I am just a Christian talking about biblically speaking, how should we think about or understand the role of psychology in our lives? Uh, also, obviously, this is going to be an offensive thing because it's going to be clear that I'm going to be questioning the legitimacy of psychology in a Christian's life. And that is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And people are going to have a huge problem wanting to maybe even hear it. Maybe they've already turned off the episode so far. And the reason for the friction that's going to be caused with this episode is that a lot of people today are encouraged, whether objectively or, or outrightly through media and things like that, or inwardly themselves, they are encouraged to find their identity in their mental health. So someone who is, let's say, has social anxiety, they are defined and everything about their lives is, is wrapped around their social anxiety. People say they have ADHD, people have OCD, they have any host of psychological ailments, either officially diagnosed or self-diagnosed, and people because of that have answers for why they are the way they are and so it becomes important to them that this diagnosis this term is part of who they are it is it is who they are they're not trying to fix it they are just trying to live with it and sometimes even embrace it and in honestly sad cases people who will brag about it and make it a positive thing that they have essentially something wrong with them uh, from this, we also see people who will use a diagnosis to explain or excuse their behavior. So people who get angry all the time, oh, well, they can't help it. That's just part of this mental health issue that they have. People who are thoughtless to their friends or are selfish, well, well they can explain it away because they have this diagnosis. They have a medical problem that excuses their behavior. Um... Also, let's not ignore the fact that people have had success from psychology. People have visited a psychologist or a psychiatrist and have been prescribed prescription medication to help maintain their mental health, and they have found success from it. It's not just this voodoo thing. There is actually something to psychology that gives benefit to people's lives. And so ultimately, what this discussion has the chance of doing or runs the risk of is making people feel invalidated. They will feel invalidated about an aspect of their identity. It may feel like I might be dismissing these real struggles that they have or that I am ignoring the positive experience that they have had with psychology. And genuinely, my goal is not to do that. I'm not trying to discount anyone's experiences or say that people have made all these things up that they've, they've experienced or that they suffer from. But instead, what I want us to do over the course of this series is simply to think biblically, because while psychology may be a good answer for some people and it can help people in the world explain things, I don't want us to just settle for a good enough answer. I want us to find the best answer or the best filter to understand our sin through. 
or our struggles or our experiences. And I want to look at, does psychology truly hold answers for what's wrong with us? Or is there a better way that we should be thinking? So with all that being said, uh, like I said, I will start off by sharing my own experiences with psychology. Um, now, as many of you who have been around here long enough know, I don't usually get too personal with myself. I don't want this podcast to be about the Ray Burns show, as it were. But I do recognize that because of the sensitive topic of psychology and maybe the easy way that people may be tempted to dismiss the things that I'm going to be talking about, I would like to just kind of share my own history of how I came to this realization of what psychology is really all about when held up to a biblical worldview. Now, if you're not interested in hearing about it, totally fine. Down in the show notes, I'll just drop a timestamp where you can skip ahead to the next part of this discussion where I talk about what psychologists do and how they do it. But for now, I just I'll, I'll try to make this as brief as I can, but I think there is some information that will obviously help people better understand that I'm not coming at this from a ignorant view where I, you know, I grew up with this, you know, happy-go-lucky life and I just look at people with mental health issues and I just can't empathize with them because I don't understand, I've never experienced it. And while I'm not a big fan of that kind of gnostic thinking that you need to have special information to be able to critique or analyze something, for purposes of being useful to people listening, I'll just go ahead and share where I've come from, from a mental health perspective and in the science of uh, submitting myself to psychology and its various aspects. So uh, really for me, it starts when I was 10 years old, I started experiencing what I now understand are feelings of depression. I I describe it as my whole world having kind of dark, fuzzy edges around it. Not literally, of course, but that is just how it felt. Um, everything that I experienced felt like I was you know, maybe submerged underwater. I didn't experience things as sharply as I felt I should have. And everything, in a way, just felt kind of dreary in my life. Um, over the years, I started opening up to the ideas of suicide. I started idealizing it, and then I started attempting it. Um, obviously, praise God, no successful attempts at it. Um, and over the years, really, I didn't realize that it was not normal to be depressed. I had become so accustomed to it from the age of 10 until about 20 or so, so about a decade. I had just constantly lived with this idea that, you know, this is how I feel, but then I act in a certain way so that I can match everyone else because surely everyone else has these constant feelings but we all just kind of rally around each other and we don't talk about how we're feeling but we at least put on a joyful face for others and so for like I said maybe 10 maybe 12 years that was just the normal to me is I would everything felt kind of dark and dim and then there would be times where I would slip into a very deep depression like people are normally familiar with so I know for some people, their experience with depression is they're normal and then they just bottom out and everything falls apart. Whereas for me, everything was not normal. Everything was below normal, but not too, too bad. But then I would also have those deep drops. But then when I came back, I would still have this ongoing low level of depression. Now, overall, I never really sought help for how I was feeling because again, as a kid, you don't really know what to do. And I was very shy and kind of bottled up anyway and so when it became my new normal why would I ask for help but it wasn't really until I got married to, to 
my wife Amanda that I realized that my what I was experiencing and these thoughts I was having was obviously hurting this woman that I loved. And so I started seeking help with that. And with that, I went through three different experiences by three different um, brands of experts, if you will. So the first thing I did is that I went to a doctor and I basically just told him these symptoms that I'd been having and he listened. And in a matter of minutes, he wrote me a prescription for antidepressants. Now, I don't know how antidepressants are supposed to feel, but they did not react well to me. And so I was not on those for more than a few months, I don't believe, uh, before I just I couldn't handle what they were doing to me anymore. Uh, from there, I went to a what I would call a pretty typical psychologist. Uh, the, you got the office, the couch, the soothing atmosphere, things like that. Um, and she taught me a couple different things. We focused on learning coping mechanisms for how I was feeling, which I now understand is cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, where you don't change what you feel, but instead kind of how you experience it. And so she would teach me coping mechanisms for dealing with feelings of depression, anxiety, anger, being overwhelmed and things like that. Um, and she would also try to teach me self-acceptance and not to be too hard on myself and to, you know, learn self-love and to speak well of me and the things that I did well and things like that and not focus on what was wrong with me. Um, but that, that didn't really work for me. It, I, I couldn't buy into kind of having to change how I was experiencing things for the sake of it. So that didn't stick for again, more than maybe a few months. Uh, but then I found here in, in Iowa, there's a Christian psychology program where you take the the science of psychology because by my understanding if medicine wasn't work then psychology had to work but the this kind of naturalistic thing wasn't working for me but if someone could add the bible to it well then sure uh, and so i went there and i remember filling out the questionnaire and one of the things was does the the psychologist this christian psychologist do they have permission to use the bible as a part of my uh, therapy or whatever the term is that they used and so looking back that was that should have been really weird to me but it wasn't but ultimately what this christian psychology experience boiled down to was taking someone who wasn't as trained as a psychologist but taking the same study or the same science of psychology and especially behave cognitive behavioral psychology and basically just putting bible verses to it so instead of learning coping mechanisms i would use bible verses to help me cope i would look at bible verses that would try to make me feel better to encourage me to make me feel loved and secure and things like that and so there was no truth necessarily if you're familiar with this podcast there's no truth or study or context to anything that I looked at or that we went through. It was just, you know, here's how I'm feeling. Here's a secular way to think about it. That was very similar in a way to the secular psychologist I went to, but then there would be some kind of Bible verses and things like that, or some light spirituality kind of sprinkled in there. And so 
obviously I wasn't in psychology for or or under a psychologist's care and things like that for years and years because I tried and I just kept bouncing off of it. But I experienced enough with having months of experience in each one to at least be able to say that I experienced what is done in three different systems. And even though all of them were different in one way or another, they would all have a very similar approach and a similar goal in mind. And this will start leading us into a, a bit of thinking about uh, what psychologists do. But their approach and their goals were essentially they would ask me how I'm feel, how I'm feeling. We would discuss what I was experiencing. Um, then they would all, and I thought this was interesting, they would all ask how I would like to feel. So they would have me kind of put a goal in mind or to, to say something concretely, here's how I'd like to feel or what I'd like to experience. Uh, and from there, they would assign me one or more disorders based on the responses that I gave. So there was no, you know, especially with my my health doctor, there was no testing done or anything like that to prove or to confirm the diagnosis. It was just, I share my interpretation of my experiences, they listen, and then they say, okay, well, here is what you have. And so then from there, they would give me treatment based on their field. Again, medicine, coping mechanisms, or coping mechanisms with scripture attached. Now, the disorders that I was assigned would actually differ from place to place, but overall, the ones that I remember being assigned is first called dysthymia, which is that nonstop feeling of depression I had. And I was told by my doctor and the psychologist, the my first psychologist, that this was due to my brain not making enough of a chemical. And there was no test to prove this, but because I they heard that I was feeling constantly low day in, day out with no reprieve, clearly I had dysthymia, which is actually from at least my medical doctor's perspective, a medical condition. I was also diagnosed by all three with severe depression, and that would account for those really deep lows and those feelings of, psycho uh, of uh, suicide that I would think about and sometimes attempt. I was also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder from the first psychologist and this would be because of my self-harm where i would not just my suicide attempts or my suicide tendencies but i would actually burn myself with uh, scalding hot water and so that my suicidal tendencies as well as this feeling of emptiness and hopelessness that i would constantly experience not just the depression but just a constant feeling of i feel empty i feel lacking um, so I was assigned borderline personality disorder as well. And then the final one that I remember being assigned is called avoidant personality disorder. And this was an antisocial uh, disorder. Uh, and that was due to my feeling of ineptitude, um, my crippling. So my as I would look at myself compared to others, and I would feel like I was worthless compared to other people and I had nothing to offer. Uh, I had a crippling fear of rejection where I would not do things because I was afraid of it going badly and people hating me for it. Um, and just in general, I avoided social interaction as much as humanly possible. So again, why am I sharing all that? Because I want to, I want, I want listeners to realize that what I'm going to talk about and the hard things and truths that I'm going to say are not from an approach of ignorance or of a lack of experience. I fully understand the comfort 
that we get when someone says, hey, you've been experiencing this for years, for decades. Here is what is wrong with you. I can give you a term. I can give you a framework to understand it from. So understanding my, my low um, amounts of depression, my deep drops into depression, my anger and my suicidal attempts and why I felt the need to, to harm myself and how I felt socially. All of this started making sense because I had words to attach to it and I could better understand who I was based on what these terms told me and what I could find out from research and what these professionals would tell me and things like that. And from there, I also appreciate that it is very difficult to let go of something that seems so true. Because as I started digging more in to really God's word and understanding my identity in Christ, and I had to be confronted with how what I was told I was or what was wrong with me wasn't exactly matching what I was seeing in God's word. And so it was very hard for me and I fought hard to try to make psychology, modern day psychology fit with the Bible like that, that later psychologist did with me. But at a certain point, I just had to let go of these things that I was holding on to because they comforted me, because they gave me an identity. They gave me a feeling of control because I, I felt I understood what was happening. Uh, it, it gave me a feeling of not having to deal with things because I was a victim of my biology because it was my brain that was doing all this. It was my brain's chemicals or a lack of chemicals that was creating these experiences and these hardships in my life. And while it was unpleasant, at least I knew it wasn't my fault and that at a certain point there was really nothing that could be done. And so letting go of all of that, all of that comfort that psychology brought me was very difficult. And it's going to be difficult for other people listening to this series. Um, but I also actually started pursuing psychotherapy in college and took a lot of classes as I was kind of slowly really exploring what I wanted to do in college. And so I filled my schedule with every psychology class I could find. Uh, reason one being that I just wanted to understand myself better. This was um, partially before, but also during when I was uh, starting to seek help, but I just wanted to understand how the mind worked. And so I just started taking a lot of psychology, how the mind works and psychotherapy classes for how we apply that to others. And my goal was actually to help other people because I knew that I started realizing maybe I'm not the only one struggling like this. And I don't want people to feel like how I'm feeling. So if, you know, even if I can't be fixed, maybe I can help others. But uh, with that, the reason I share is that I also want to give hope. I want to give hope to, uh, in general, people who know me, because I assume, and from experience, when I talk to people about my history with mental illness, people are very shocked, you know, because while I'm naturally, you know, still a very quiet person, I'm not, you know, hyper emotional and things like that. People are, are really surprised at the struggles that I've had with things like depression and these uh, personality disorders. And so I want to give hope because who I am now is not a result of psychology fixing me or me just getting a handle on it, but really, as we'll discuss in future episodes, what it looks like when someone who is broken by sin and controlled by their own heart, their own emotions, their own sin nature, what that looks like when we surrender it to Jesus Christ and how we can take steps in doing that and identifying what's truly wrong with us so that we can go to the only true healer we have. And then, even if you don't know me, for those in general, I want to give hope to, to people to let them know that there is something better out there than psychology. 
and that even those who have had success and have benefited from it and can see and look back and say, I am better than I was before getting involved in psychology. I want to share with you that there is an even greater hope out there and an even greater freedom we can have from those struggles. And my last goal is honestly to break the stigma of mental health or emotional struggles or whatever you want to call it, but break the stigma of of all of this within Christianity. Because as I said, there is there is kind of two different ways that people will approach this. Uh, one is that people will feel shamed in sharing their brokenness. They may feel less spiritual. Uh, men may feel less manly by sharing their, their anger, their doubts, their fears, things like that. And I want to just encourage people through my own stories and through what I've learned and through what I'm going to be kind of teaching through this, that ultimately our mental health isn't something to be ashamed of or how we feel isn't something to be ashamed of. It is just a product of who we are as human beings trying to live as people of Christ. And so hopefully by me sharing just even just a little bit of my own history, people will see that you know we don't need to be ashamed of it and nor does it need to define us. Uh, but I also want to uh, maybe break the stigma of people who might demonize psychologists, uh, because from my own experience, I can I can confirm the three experiences I had. Even though I wildly disagree with the approaches taken, and I feel you know maybe there was some irresponsibility in terms of saying I had a biological disorder without finding out if I had a biological disorder. I know at the end of the day, these people truly wanted to help. They really saw someone who was hurting and someone who just was exhibiting the same signs of people they talked to time and time again. And so they just worked with me under what they understood through their own worldview. But that's the key here is that psychology works through a certain worldview and those who practice it have to adopt certain assumptions about that worldview in order to help people through psychology. And so again, my own experience, I have never met someone in the mental health industry who I think is just out there just to control people and manipulate. And they're, they're these, you know, evil, deceptive people. They're just people who for the best that they understand from their own worldview, trying to help others. But now let's take a break from that. And let's just look at what psychologists actually do. And from here, this is going to lay the groundwork because when we understand what their goals are, how they come to certain conclusions, even though I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty in a broad sense, I want us to get a picture or an idea of, of how this whole process works, because that is going to help frame future discussions when I'm talking about just other areas and aspects of psychology and Christianity. Uh, so let's just jump into it. So psychology is ultimately it's a very broad term. You can't just say, I believe in psychology and leave it at that and everyone knows what you mean because there are many different approaches or disciplines in psychology. Uh, if you study the history of psychology, you have Sigmund Freud and we, you know, everyone knows his weird thing about moms and stuff like that. But no one really practices that today. That is a branch of psychology, but one that as far as I'm aware, no one is really buying into anymore. And so we can trace kind of the history of psychology and see that we've arrived to what is one of the more popular disciplines today, which is, as I shared in my own story, uh, cognitive behavioral psychology or cognitive behavioral discipline or therapy. Uh, and we'll get into that in a future episode, but ultimately it's it breaks down to behavior modification, changing how we respond and react to certain situations. 
Um, so that is, in a broad sense, understanding that when I talk about psychology, I obviously am talking about the the industry as a whole in terms of people trying to understand how people think and work, and primarily coming at it from from the assumption that if someone is undergoing some form of psychology today, they're doing so under some form of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So uh, next thing I want to talk about is the difference between psychology and psychotherapy. Because while those terms go hand in hand, and it's often difficult for us normal people to experience one without the other, they are actually different. So psychology is more of a science. It is just the study of how people think or why they do what they do. And psychology on its own can be done solo. You can sit in your office, you can have no experience or engagement with the public, and you can do psychology because it is kind of a thinking thing. It's just trying to understand the science of the brain, human behavior, emotion, and things like that. Psychotherapy is kind of the application of it. Psychotherapy takes psychology and says, okay, understanding how this person works, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how do I now help them? And so psychotherapy is the is when a psychologist typically is actively engaged in helping someone. And so psychology analyzes and the th- and psychotherapy helps the person make the changes. And so maybe a way to think about it is a radiologist versus a physical therapist. So if you break a bone, get injured, whatever, you're going to go and get scanned and, you know, undergo a bunch of machines at a hospital or doctor's office. And you're going to be working with a radiologist. Now, their job is not to tell you how to fix it. Their job is simply to figure out what is wrong with you. They find the problem. And then they send you on to a physical therapist and their job is to say, now that we know what's wrong, let's work on fixing the problem. Now, most often a psychologist is going to be both. A psychologist typically isn't going to sit there, analyze you and say, okay, let's shuffle you out the door to someone who can help you. Their job is to do both. Typically they will analyze you through a series of questions and listening and taking notes. And then they will consult a a special book usually and then from there they will create kind of a game plan on helping you recover or cope with what's wrong and so in this discussion when i say psychologist i am going to be speaking as a person in an office who is actively engaged in both analysis and therapy so while yes technically a psychologist could just be someone who just does kind of the academic or scientific research for sake of simplicity for my own sanity when i say psychologist assume that i mean someone who analyzes and works with people to help them now the number one thing that we need to know about psychologists is that they desire to help people that is their ultimate goal they don't have evil intentions they aren't you know, controllers, they aren't, you know, sadistic people and things like that. Broadly speaking, psychologists, whether secular, whether Christian, they genuinely desire to help people as they understand it. And so they see suffering and what do they do based on their training, based on their beliefs, they approach it from a medical or biological perspective. A psychiatrist is one who prescribes medication, but a a psychologist will kind of approach it from an emotional or behavioral standpoint and they will do it from you know all aspects and there's many different approaches that they might use to to attack an issue with you 
Uh, and again, from my own experience, while psychology itself is a secular endeavor, there are those psychologists out there who will help and attack it from a, a natural and a spiritual sense. Now, what spiritual means is going to change from person to person, but there are psychologists out there who will attach some kind of spiritual component to it, whether they actually believe in an immaterial self, whether they use spiritual as just kind of our emotions and our routines and our belief systems and things like that. There are psychologists who will not just do it from a strictly clinical brain chemistry perspective. Now, the core of psychology, what the underlying roots of psychology are, is naturalism. And remember, naturalism is simply that the world itself is purely a natural thing. There is nothing spiritual. There is nothing immaterial. So human beings, in this case, are made strictly out of physical matter. Everything that we experience, everything that we do, that we think, everything that defines who we are is in some way traced back to chemicals, brain impulses, biology, genetics, things like that. Everything can be explained in either what is physically present or our reactions based on physical conditions. So again, brain signals and things like that. And so the problem here is that even if you have a Christian psychologist, they are working from a practice, from a worldview and from a science that completely ignores and denies the spiritual reality of life. So there's no soul, there is no God except for what you believe about God. There is no spiritual realm whatsoever. It's just what you believe and, and your faith and your, your religious system or a lack thereof that matters. And so what does that leave then? Well, whether a Christian psychologist or a secular psychologist, the only thing that they can analyze, that they can look at, and that they can point to are things like your upbringing. So how did your experiences teach you about the world and lead you to this certain point? Things like the environment. Again, this can be the environment you grew up in, where you're currently at now, whether it's your job, your home, the church that you're in, the friends that you're around, and things like that. Your poverty level, your general health and access to health care. You know, all this stuff can contribute to explaining and understanding what you're suffering from. Uh, they'll also go for a little bit more of a non-organic sense and say that we need to analyze how you think about yourself or how you think about others. What is your self-esteem like? How do you view yourself? Are you being overly negative and, and basically lying to yourself about yourself? Uh, they'll also look at how we respond to situations. So when you experience stress at work, when your mother says those hurtful things to you, how do you respond? What are you thinking about? How are you approaching it? And that will often be a focus of how people can uh, improve what they're going through. They'll even, as I said, look at certain biological problems. Now, ideally, a psychologist will do this with the aid and patient supervision of a doctor or a psychiatrist. In other words, a psychologist can see warning signs, but then they will usually send them to a doctor or to a psychiatrist who is trained in the medical and medicinal aspect of it. And they will all kind of partner together to help their patients. So the psychologist will continue taking care of the behavior aspect and a doctor of some form will oversee medication and see, you know, adjust levels, adjust medication types as they all kind of work together towards the same end of helping the patient get to a place that they would like to be at. 
And again, this is all natural methods. There, there's nothing about our sin nature, our desires, our you know, the, the sin that we've inherited from Adam. We don't talk about the fall. We don't talk about our need for Jesus Christ and things like this. And the reality is that a lot of what I've talked about so far, a lot of what psychology does isn't wrong because a lot of what we understand about the world is based on what we've taught. No one just comes out believing certain things about their worldview. Our worldview is crafted by our past experiences. Our environment does have an effect on us. I mean, we can prove that. And we may have certain biological problems that can affect us. I mean, you just think of how lazy you feel if you haven't eaten well, how, you know, I mean, the, the term hangry, where people are so hungry that they are very unpleasant to be around and get angry. I mean, those are natural biological responses. So we, you know, I'm not just going to discount that, but the problem is that even though those aren't all wrong, that is not painting a full picture. And it's not even focusing on some of the most important aspects of what people are and what they experience and what they need to improve. And on top of that is that a lot of what uh, psychologists and doctors will do is they will just listen to your emotional responses. And so from their worldview, your emotional responses can't be tested or proven they just say that, oh, well, those are just manifestations of natural processes. And so their whole approach is that all of this stems from chemical reactions, from your brain connections and things like that. And so even if we try to introduce Christianity and make it work alongside psychology, ultimately what we're saying is, okay, what can we get from the Bible that helps us understand these natural processes that a person is going through? Their upbringing, their brain chemicals and things like that, even though we're not testing them and even though we can't prove anything other than they say they experience this, what can the Bible do to help us help them along with psychology being ultimately the dominant helper here? So it, at best in that situation, the Bible has to take a back seat and fit to work with what psychology already claims about how people work, how we analyze them and what is ultimately wrong with them. And so with all of that, then, what is the goal of psychology? Well, the goal ultimately is to outwit our natural selves. So we want to, to take what our upbringing is and find a way to maybe cope with it or to work around it. The goal is not necessarily change, but instead to live with the life that we are given in a way that is more acceptable to us. And so there's no sense of freedom from our suffering, but instead an improved life as we suffer. So just like, let's say with cancer, you know, if someone can't remove cancer from someone, you don't just shove them out the door. You find them ways to cope with it, maybe to reduce its effects, maybe to even slow down its damage and maybe treat it. But even if it's not fully gone, you can still do things to help the patient live a better life with what they have. And psychology is the same way, is it's really just boils down to reaching the living, the feeling, or the experience goals that you want. Now, how do you get there? How, do, how does a psychologist help you reach these goals? Well, they start off with 
questions and then follow-up questions. So this is all about when they first meet you and they're trying to really get a feel for what you're experiencing, why you're there, and what they can do to help you. They will just ask you a ton of questions. They will ask clarifying questions and try to get a, a real understanding of what it is that you are feeling and experiencing and how they can get you from there to where you would like to be. And they are trained to diagnose patients simply based on these responses. The things that you say is all that a psychologist has to go by to help you understand what is wrong with you or what they can do to help you. And then they will give you a label or a diagnosis based on the DSM-5. And this is this really big book of, um, of mental disorders and it stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and it's in its fifth edition and ultimately what it does is it is just a big book of official mental disorders and so it represents everything that psychologists today know and understand about mental health. So the more that time passes, the more refined their understanding gets, the more they can maybe find and understand disorders they didn't previously understand, maybe rethink disorders. Um, I think off the top of my head how no one has multiple personality disorder anymore. It's dissociative identity disorder. And so things will be renamed. They will be updated or better defined. Maybe they will cut mental disorders because they now realize that what we thought was a mental disorder no longer is. Um, off the top of my head, I believe homosexuality was listed as a mental disorder, and I don't believe it is anymore. So just as an example of how, based on how uh, modern culture and understanding grows and evolves and changes, how psychologists view the world and the patients sitting in front of them will also likewise change, upgrade, and ideally, from their perspective, it will evolve and improve into something much better. Uh, now, of course, obviously, on one hand, if something is not in the manual, then for now, we don't really diagnose it. We don't think that it's real. Or even if someone says they have it, it's not it's not really respected. And if you read the history of psychology, you will have things that we see as, as according to the DSM-5, disorders that we have today that were ignored previously. And some people are a little bit embarrassed because we let some things go undiagnosed for so long. But ultimately, they kind of have to just rely on this book for what is or isn't a diagnosis because they, they need to have some kind of structure in order to identify and diagnose issues that they can then fix. But that also means that psychology is a little bit of a moving target. And I don't say that to criticize because a lot of people will say, oh, you know, they have to keep updating it because things keep changing. And I'm not taking a negative stance on it, but we do need to realize that what is a mental disorder today may not be tomorrow. And what seems made up today, they may decide is actually a problem in the future. And so that's really where psychologists are coming from, is they are, as human beings, as imperfect people who are still studying and growing and refining their understanding, they're constantly updating what is or isn't a disorder, and maybe even how to treat it or how not to treat it. And so once we've got that diagnosis from the DSM-5, then over time, as we're working towards this goal of better living or whatever, they will maybe refine the diagnosis as they're able to ask better questions and see that what may have been a disorder isn't seeming to be that one. And so they may update or change uh, their diagnoses. Uh, they will help the patient better understand themselves. And that is a huge thing because 
patients will go in there not knowing why they feel the way they feel. And so psychologists, based on what they believe and understand, will tell them, here is why you experience this sadness, this anxiety, these feelings of invincibility as you behave irrationally or dangerously. Here is why you are you know, constantly seeking physical relationships with people or why you're afraid of physical relationships with people. And so more and more, a patient, as they are visiting a psychologist and they are working together, maybe under a medical doctor, the patient will ideally learn things like self-acceptance for you know being okay with who they are and not being ashamed of it. They will learn their triggers and how to either avoid those triggers, help other people keep those triggers away from them, or how to cope with triggers they can't escape. And when I say triggers, I mean certain things that will trigger, if you will, something in a patient's mind that will cause them to suffer. So it might be, let's take uh, soldiers who come back from war and are suffering from PTSD. Maybe one of their triggers is uh, just seeing combat. And so they will encourage them and teach them how to avoid, you know, movies that show realistic depictions of combat to help them not trigger their PTSD. Uh, they'll also teach them things like self-affirmation, telling, you know, helping patients tell themselves that they are enough, they do matter, they do have value, they do deserve love, they deserve only good things, and that they don't deserve anything bad that's ever happened to them or is happening to them. That they are, because they're human, therefore they have, you know, ultimate value and they need to keep telling themselves that and that they shouldn't talk negatively about themselves. They shouldn't look down on themselves or let others tell them that there's something wrong with them. Um, coping mechanisms are another big thing. So again, and this kind of goes along with triggers and even the self-affirmation, but this idea that if there's something you're suffering from, if there is a disorder you have, let's, let's learn ways, let's learn strategies to live with that, to not let it bring us down, to not make us lose our job because we are just so suffering from depression or anxiety or whatever, and they will teach them ways to cope with what they're suffering from. Uh, behavior modification, again, is a huge one. It's not changing who you are or how you think, but how you respond to things. So it's improving your actions as you go out and live your life or how you respond to certain stresses or triggers that come up. Uh, positive thinking, again, is a very big thing. How do we respond to things? We need to not respond negatively. We need to respond positively. So problems become opportunities is a very classic example of that. Um, and again, the ultimate goal is to help the patients live life how they want, not tell them what to do, but help the patient to ultimately follow, if you will, and I don't think they would say this in psychology, but ultimately to follow their heart into the type of life and lifestyle that they want to live. And I don't mean a rich lifestyle, but someone who is who wants to be more social, they will help them be more social. Someone who doesn't want to be afraid, someone who wants to just love others or to stop thinking negatively about themselves, they will help them reach those goals. And again, the, the goal here, the, the main focus is not freedom from the disorder, but ultimately not to be controlled by the disorder. So it's to essentially live with, with my previous example, to live with the cancer without the cancer negatively affecting your life. And then hopefully the goal is to gain independence from a psychologist. Um, I would imagine that if you talk to any psychologist, their greatest desire is for their patients to no longer need them. Or at most for 
a patient's visits to them to be like an annual cancer screening, just to come back, just to check in, just to make sure things are good, offer what help or assistance they can and things like that. But ultimately, a psychologist doesn't want a patient to be dependent on them. They want to teach them independence and to not need the help of another person to respond or to live the life how they want to live it. And so that is going to wrap up this discussion on psychology. Uh, again, I try to keep this kind of a high level overview in terms of what it is that psychologists do, um, what psychology is, differentiating that from psychotherapy, talking about the methods, the goals, what patients are going to end up experiencing under the care of a psychologist and things like that. Uh, again, I tried to be fair to them while still approaching it from a more biblical worldview. But ultimately, I know there was kind of a lot to go through, but the ultimate thing that we need to realize is that psychology, whether we try to introduce Christianity to it or not, psychology is ultimately a naturalistic worldview. It is a worldview that tries to look at human beings from a perspective that does not consider God in it. I'm not saying it's anti-God, although it is because all of God's enemies are anti-God, but the, the thing isn't some atheistic, you know, I want to specifically set out to disprove God, but instead, as they are analyzing people, they are analyzing them as how can human beings be this way if God is not real? They, they don't, they don't think about God, but they don't consider God either. So they are ultimately trying to tell you, here's why you suffer from anxiety, why you get angry, why you spend money poorly, why you are addicted to pornography, why you can't keep a good job or why you work too much. And they will, they will analyze all these behaviors and these thought patterns through a filter that says you are a natural creature. Everything that you're experiencing is based on your past, based on your current circumstances, based on, based on your chemistry. And ultimately what we need to do is we need to free you from being negative and, and negatively living a life so that you can live the life that you want to live. And so understanding that about psychology and I'm not, you know, again, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, obviously people will disagree with, the tone that I have towards psychology, but ultimately psychology is, it has to be a naturalistic science. It has to identify people from a perspective that can only be explained if the world is purely natural with no spiritual component. Humans don't have any spiritual component. Sin is not actually a thing. God does not have an ultimate law. They can only explain you from a perspective that has no consideration for God. And so as we get to talking about psychology, and especially from a Christian perspective, we can't avoid this reality that all diagnoses, all explanations for behavior, for thoughts, for beliefs, it is all coming from a worldview that's very foundations, its very roots is anti-God. And so no matter how we try to dress it up, we're going to see that we cannot make psychology harmonize with Christianity because it's starting from two different perspectives that cannot ever agree on something because the very core of what they believe human beings are or what reality is, our purpose in life, what we need in life are so very different that there's nothing we can do to make them work together. Something has to compromise and I'm sorry, but when it comes to psychology, Christianity 
God's word, the truth of God, is always going to be the thing that is weakened in order to fit better with psychology. Psychology can't weaken because we're already relying on it to explain things. And so it is the authority in that conversation. It is the authority in our lives. What naturalists say about us is how we determine what truth is. And so I hope this episode has explained just a little bit from a broad sense why that is the case and why this series is going to be taking a, if you will, a very negative stance on psychology. I'm not beating it up. I am not discounting people's experiences, but I am going to come at it from a Christian biblical worldview and why psychology just does not have the answers that we need. And then again, I shared my own history with it and I hope that that has not given you juicy gossip. I hope you don't sit there and say, oh, well, now I understand why Ray is so weird. Maybe that does help you, but ultimately, again, my goal in sharing my history is one, to let people know that I am not coming at this from a heartless perspective. I have been where many of you are right now, where you are trying to meld psychology and Christianity and try to understand who you are through a naturalistic lens. And maybe you find some success, but you know that there is something lacking with it. And I, I again, I know exactly what that feels like. And I hope that I've also been able to bring some encouragement or hope to people who are struggling with things like anxiety, depression, any number of mental health disorders that you have, you know, even if you don't have anything that I've experienced, the fact that you are suffering from something that is not just a physical thing. And again, I'm going to argue if a doctor tells you that you are suffering because of uh, chemical imbalances, if they have not scanned it, if they have not tested it, be very, very careful about believing and blaming it on your brain when no testing has been done. But anyway, that's a, that's a rant for a future episode. But ultimately, I hope that um, I've given hope, given encouragement, uh, given the, per, the potential for an alternative way of thinking about the things that you feel, the things that you experience, um, the pain that you're going through, the anxiety, the anger, whatever it is, there is hope. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a hope. And it's not just, oh, pray and get better. But how we think, what we understand is truth, and how we live our lives is going to be a determiner for what we experience. And so we'll get into things like depression and anxiety and why just blaming it on things that psychologists blame it on may not be sufficient to truly understand it and why maybe there's a reason that psychology can't offer a cure but instead coping because they lack the thing that we truly and desperately need in our lives and that is jesus christ so i hope this all frames uh, the future episodes that i'll be releasing over the next few weeks uh, but for now as i leave off on this i'd like to encourage you to not just turn off this episode and go on about your merry way or maybe your unmerry way but instead, I want to give you, I don't want to call it homework, but we'll call it homework. Um, first, I want you to think about your own impression of psychology, both before listening to this episode and maybe now that I've gotten you thinking about a different perspective on it. What is your impression of psychology? How do you view it? How much authority do you give to it? Or how, how valuable do you think it is in the life of a Christian? I'd also like you to identify the negative and positive things about psychology. Or maybe not just psychology, but maybe your assumptions of it. So what are some good things that you assume about psychology? What are some negative things that you assume 
about psychology. And then just from there, from this episode, from your own thinking about it, really consider what role our soul has with our psychological issues. Does it have anything to do with it at all? Do you, do you believe that our psychological issues are purely a natural chemical thing? Do you think that it's emotional, but our emotions are divorced from our soul? Or do you think that treating our soul and our sin is a compatible thing with psychology? So just really think about all that, how you think about psychology as a Christian who does believe in the spiritual, what do you think, what role do you think that all plays in the suffering that you or people go through. Uh, But for now, I'll just leave off and say that it is my desire not to make enemies, not to make people feel bad, not to discount others. But as always, forever and ever, from the very beginning of this ministry until hopefully I pass from this earth, my desire is simply to equip you to think biblically about every area of your life because my true and genuine desire is for you to move onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. If this ministry is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can support it. You can pray for Ray and Amrit in the faith itself. You can share this episode with others, or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash Amrit in the faith or following the link in the show notes. We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ.